It's time for the Smart Money Questions Podcast with Matt Hausman. This is the show that provides you with a sound financial education and helps you avoid financial pitfalls. Make sure you are asking the right questions by listening to the Smart Money Questions Podcast. Hey everyone, yes, it is that time. How are you doing? It's hard to believe as I am sitting here getting ready to record this. It is the middle of May. Memorial Day is right around the corner. And if you've been listening to me for any period of time, at least for a year, you know that this time of year for me, especially since uh, moving from Florida, we're basically, you know, all year round the summer. But once you're up here in, in this case, Metro Philadelphia, the Northeast, it's like all of a sudden summer becomes condensed from Memorial Day to Labor Day. Over the weekend, Mother's Day, we're sitting there with the kids and speaking with uh, uh, Ryan, our oldest, he, <laughs> he, he was like, you know, I don't even know that I have a weekend open. <laughs> and it really does become that. If we think about, well, I mean, how much time we have, realistically, what, 12, 13 weeks in between then, where uh, trying to fit everything in before the fall comes around. And, and speaking of Florida, was just down in Florida, had a great time. It was my mom's 80th. We were down there at the end of uh, April, first week of May. Had a great time. Weather was absolutely gorgeous. Actually, the first time that we have actually stayed in Sarasota, we were actually out on Siesta Key. First time we've done that in, holy cow, probably three or four years. And man, I got to tell you, it was really nice to be able to walk out the beaches, a two-minute walk. Uh, And like I said, the weather couldn't have been better. So I had a great time down there, had a great uh, birthday celebration for my mom. And now we are back, and as I mentioned, getting ready to look at the summer and make make all of those plans. But um, listen, I want to jump into uh, a couple things today that questions I've been getting from clients, along with a situation that a client of mine is going through. And I think we can all learn from this situation scenario as to ways that we can do things today that will help our heirs when we have, uh, when we are no longer here, depending on how your estate plan looks and making sure that in what you are wanting to happen, you have done the correct things with your will, if a trust is involved, your beneficiaries, what have you. Because in this situation right here, many things were missed, even though, quote, a full estate plan had been put together. So we're going to go over that, plus a couple other scenarios that have recently come up and uh, and some of the quote headlines that are going on right now. But before we do that, let's make sure we deal with the disclaimer. Please don't take any of the information or ideas or suggestions that I offer in today's show as direct advice for you. Please use it as information and education that you then can discuss with your advisor. Now, if you don't have an advisor or you would like for us to be your advisor, I'm more than happy to have that conversation with you. And it's real simple. All you have to do is go to www.speakwithmatt.com. That's www.speakwithmatt.com. And my online scheduler is right there. You can go right in. 
you can schedule a 15 or 30 minute phone conversation. And quite frankly, at the end of that first call, we're going to have a good idea. Does it make sense to have a second conversation? So again, very low key, go right into the online scheduler. You don't even have to get on the phone with anyone to schedule this. So again, speakwithmat.com, www.speakwithmat.com and schedule it there. So, all right, let's go ahead and get on to today's show. All right, so first of all, let's talk about, uh, if you didn't get my newsletter, I sent a newsletter out uh, at the beginning of this month specifically uh, talking about what's been in the headlines for the last couple of weeks with regards to, quote, bank failures. And one of the things I talked about in the newsletter, and I'm actually going to bring it up right now, is bank failures are not unusual. Over the recent time period, we haven't had as many as we have had in the past. But when I when I pull up a quick article in Forbes, we look at so far this year, in 23, we've had three bank failures, none in 22, none in 21. We did have four in 20, four in 19, zero in 18, eight in 17, five in 16, eight in 15, and 18 in 14. And then the numbers just run. So... One of the questions I've been getting is, should I be worried at where my money is? And and everyone's going to have their money in different places. And what I would suggest you do is make some phone calls and be speaking with someone at the bank that hopefully can help answer any questions that you have. As I mentioned in the newsletter, and I believe even last, last month on the podcast, is looking at the balances that you have how the accounts are titled to make sure that we are under that FDIC limit. And also this goes to a point of, you know, how much money should I have in cash? And one of the things I've always talked to clients about is when we think about our emergency fund, I'm always telling them, hey, listen, this is a personal decision for you as to how much you want to have. Some clients, they might only have three or six months. Other clients might have two years of cash. And depending on how much that is, is when you need to be aware of your bank's health, financial health, uh, how the monies are titled, I'm sorry, how the accounts are titled, and then being under that um, that threshold currently of 250000 Now, if you have questions about it or you're really not sure what to do, feel free to reach out to us. Speakwithmat.com. That's my online calendar. Give us a call, 610 610- Seven one nine three zero zero three. Let's schedule a time uh, to go over that. But I, I do know that you know some clients have reached out, been a little concerned about that, and, and with good reason. But I think the other thing that the the newsletter mentioned earlier this month, along with just the reality, is there are bank failures are not new. Obviously, we had a rash of them back in 08, 09, and ten, but they're but they've still been happening even even after that. And it's just something that you know it's just part of. Uh, business, so to speak. I mean, it's just, it's reality, right? But if you have questions, reach out to us. More than happy to have that conversation. Okay, let's talk about the next thing that just is making the news cycles, right? The debt ceiling and the market. And I was on the phone last week with a client who had some concerns about that, looking at something, you know, the media is everywhere, so they're always going to take their spin. And usually the spend is fear, And I just happened to pull it up on the debt uh, ceiling. How many times has it been raised? And just within the last 13 years, it's been raised 10 times. And since 1960, it's been raised 78 times. 
And the reality is, when we look at Washington, and I affectionately call them all yahoos down there, (laughs) is a lot of what we are hearing now in the media cycle is political posturing. But if we look just within the last 13 years at the 10 different times that the debt ceiling was raised, you can see that there was a lot of political posturing as basically we know behind closed doors, they're like, hey, listen, we have to make sure that we take care of this. So could they miss it? I mean, I guess they could. I don't, I'm really not that worried about it. As of right now, with uh, the market, the market hasn't necessarily reflected or foreshadowed a concern about with in relatively where the market is positioned right now. So again, if you have questions about that, especially if you're a client, reach out to us, speakwithmatt.com, or give us a call, 610-719-3003. More than happy to sit down and talk with you about that. Okay, listen, this other, I'm not going to go into into the weeds about this, but it is really important to know, and you guys hear me talk about this all the time, and that is your estate planning making sure that you have your documents in order in whatever strategy have you put into place. Maybe it's just a will, of course, power of attorney, medical directives, those things. But with your financial assets, and in the event you are going to incorporate a trust, it is so important, first of all, is that if you are going to have a trust, where is the trust going to fit in with your financial assets? Is it going to be the owner and a beneficiary? Is it just going to be the beneficiary? If you have qualified retirement account monies, it is imperative that you understand how that money has to move outside the marriage. In other words, non-spouses, because if things are not done correctly on the beneficiary forms, it can be disastrous. And I seriously mean disastrous. Dealing with a situation right now, all of this estate planning stuff was done, the trust was done, the will was done, and the beneficiaries in most cases were not up to date and or they weren't even listed. This has been going on for 15 months now. Again, if you have questions about that or you want to review everything with us, reach out to us, speakwithmatt.com. 610-719-3003. I can tell you this client, who in this case is the executor and the trustee, because we have two separate documents, is pulling his hair out. Because if beneficiaries aren't listed, you have to go through the court system, you have to get short forms, you have to get representation, or that you are this person, whether it's the uh, certificate of trust or whether it's something from Uh, the court, uh, the probate court, to say, yes, this person is the representative that can move forward. Otherwise, financial institutions, they ain't talking to you. So again, make sure that you are regularly, can I say that, regularly, (laughs) reviewing your beneficiaries, making sure it's what you want to have, and most importantly, that you understand what tax bucket that money is in, and you are using the beneficiary forms for these financial assets with the way that that money is going to move in the most efficient manner. Okay. There were a lot of changes that happened in 2020 with the SECURE Act. And you've heard me talk about that before. And as a matter of fact, we just had the SECURE Act 2.0 that went into effect January 1 of this year. 
And I talked about that in January. Make sure you are looking at that, that you understand the tax buckets, you understand what your estate planning and the documents that you put in place, and that you are making sure those things, those assets are going to move in an efficient manner. Hey everyone, a little interruption, Matt Hausman here. If you would like to speak to me directly, make sure that you know that you can go right to my online calendar, speakwithmatt.com, again, www.speakwithmatt.com. You can either schedule a conference call right there, a Zoom call, or if you'd like to come into the office, feel free to do that. You can also reach us directly at 610-719-3003. All right, everyone, back to the show. Okay, let's jump to the other one. I, I had this, I was sitting down with a client the other day, and, and the idea is, listen, I still got a mortgage on my house. I've only got a balance of like 45000 but that's my only tax deduction. I got 100 G sitting in the bank. Should I just pay it off? There's a couple of things that I want you guys to realize. When you are on the tail end of a loan, in this case, there's only $45,000 left, and you're thinking this is a deduction where you're itemizing, I want everyone, we just got done with tax season, pull out your tax return and go to your Schedule A. And actually look, especially in what has happened over the course of the last three years where interest rates dropped, many people refied or purchased something else, is the interest is so low. And with the tax act that went into effect in 2018, where we are raising the standard deduction, we have what's called the SALT limit. So what that means is the SALT limit is $10,000. And that has to do with your state and local taxes, your real estate taxes. Well, you could have paid in, in this case, let's say the state of PA, real estate taxes, let's say you paid in 30 Gs, you can only use 10 grand under the SALT. That's the top. And then if you have interest rates, I mean, I've got some clients where the interest rate is two and a quarter, And if in this case, there's only $45,000 left on the loan, there's hardly any interest that's coming over to, quote, be a tax deduction. I can even tell you in my personal situation with Maggie and I, for the last three years, we have taken a standard deduction. Because again, the standard deduction is so high. And there's limits as to the other things that go on your Schedule A. For instance, medical expenses. There's limits there based on all of your other income sources. We just talked about the SALT. Interest rates are so low on mortgages. Is it really deductible? And then the other thing I discussed with them was, hey, listen, let's also look, take the tax deductibility out of the equation. What's the drag on your cash flow right now? You know, the hundred grand is sitting there in the bank. You only owe 45,000. I'm just going to make a number up. Let's say your mortgage payment's two G's a month. And I got a balance of 45000 That means I got 22 and a half payments left. Well, I'm hardly getting any interest because remember, on the tail end of a loan, there's, I'm basically paying all principal back. So we know, again, take that tax deductibility out of the equation, but it's dragging me down from a cash flow perspective at $2,000 a month. And even though I might have 100 G sitting in there and oh my goodness, now they're paying me 4%. In this case, I'm going to free up $2,000 of cash flow obligation where it's gone. I can, use, I can look to put that money in other places, other investments. Maybe there's other debt I want to take care of. Heck, maybe I want to go on a vacation. But that's what I was talking about. When we get to the tail end of a loan, the way those loans are structured, there's hardly any interest being paid there. But it can be a huge drag on cash flow. And that's where I've 
we've been able to work with clients where they can recognize this. We look at, I call it lazy money. There's lazy money sitting over there. It's not doing anything for you in quote that account. But in this case, it can have a dramatic effect on the expenses that you're having to pay every month. In one case, I can think we had a client that was able to retire about two and a half years early because we ended up taking that lazy money, paying it down. And what happened was they were able, I shouldn't say retire because they, they're semi-retired, but they were able to leave their full-time job and back down the work obligation that was there just to service that payment. Well, now that payment's gone, right? So again, if it was me, I told them, hey, listen, I'd pay it off right? I don't want that obligation. And that's usually with other forms of uh, closed in uh, instruments like car loans and what have you, where I get to a certain point and I'm like, it doesn't make sense for me to keep paying this. I got cash sitting in the bank, just pay it off. It really frees up that cash flow. So again, if you have a situation like that, reach out to us and let's look at where that lazy money is sitting and can it be used uh, in a better position than wherever it is now, even if you are getting that. As a matter of fact, I was driving in. I think I saw a bank, like a one-year CD is paying like four and a half. Even if it's getting that in this case, in my opinion, it can do so much better for you because it's going to free up 22 and a half months of having to make that payment. All right. So another thing I want to bring up, this is happening with a couple of clients right now. This happened with uh, a number of clients about two and a half years ago. And that is either a company gets bought out or a company is considering giving out an early retirement option. And what do those situations look like? What should I be aware of? How do I know if it's a good one or not? And what I would tell you is most of the time what we have seen is if the company or you were working for the company and were eligible for a pension, if the pension wasn't frozen, many times what they'll do is they will advance you a certain amount of years either to fully qualify and all the payments that would go into the pension plan for you based on that. If that helps you qualify or what we saw a couple years ago was it actually took people all the way to the quote full retirement age of the pension plan. So even though, and most of the time pension plans, their eligibility, their full eligibility is age 65, or usually it's a certain age with a certain amount of time worked. In this case, it was advancing them all the way to 65. So even though they might be taking the pension at the age of 62, there was not a reduction in what they were going to receive. The other thing is many companies right now are offering lump sum pension options. They want to get out of the pension game. And so again, what we saw a couple years ago, and actually one of the things we're seeing now is a pretty decent, right now, it's a pretty decent lump sum option if you want to take that. Now, keep in mind, that obligation now falls on you. You really want to be uh, have an understanding on how to bring that money in. How are you going to invest it? Because if it's the idea of a pension is what? It's kind of like Social Security, right? It's going to pay me forever. But I want to make sure that if I'm going to take the lump sum, the liability on how that money is going to be invested and the payments I'm going to receive now falls on me. So that's something else to look at. I will tell you that normally in a higher interest rate environment, those pension lump sum options aren't as healthy as they are when the interest rates are lower. So for instance, right now we have a client 
that is looking at that interest rates are a little bit higher. So the advancing or how many years they're going to advance the lump sum pension is only going to be about 16, 17 years compared to just a couple years ago when rates were in the basement, we were seeing anywhere from 19 and a half to 21 years in advance on that lump sum. So again, that, that is something to look at. You want to do, you know, quite frankly, it's just doing the numbers and seeing if it is a good option. The other thing that is extremely important is if you are not Medicare eligible and you do not have retiree health benefits with this option, I have seen it where, okay, they're, they're not offering retiree health benefits, but they're going to pay the COBRA payment for 18 to 24 months, but they're only paying it for the employee. So if you're married and your spouse is on that plan and relying on that healthcare plan at where you're working, now you really have to look, is it a viable option? Because how much is it going to cost me? Maybe they give you the option of, of still keeping the spouse, but now you have to pick up that, that cost. Maybe you weren't paying, or maybe you were only paying a percentage before, and now you got to pick up 100%, or they're not even going to offer it. So the spouse has to go on the outside or maybe where they're working. That's something definitely you want to pay attention to until Medicare eligibility. Because as I've spoke before, getting health insurance in the private market can be an expensive proposition. So we definitely want to be looking at that. And then the other way or the other scenarios that we have seen, let's say there's not a pension, or quite frankly, even if there is a pension, is that they're going to offer you a severance payout. And that can look in a couple different ways. They can advance you a certain amount of weeks, all payable at one time. I'm just going to say half a year. Okay, we're going to pay you 26 weeks. It is going to run through payroll. So you want to be aware of that, you know, which means you're going to get hit with taxes there. Or let's say it is 26 weeks. They're not going to give you a lump sum and they actually will send out a paycheck as if you were still working for that 26 period of time or 26 weeks. So the key there is if you are social security eligible and you are younger than your full retirement age, you want to realize, especially if they're going to just pay you in a lump sum, that it might be wise if your initial thought, I'm just going to go into social security now and elect it, that if you are younger than your full retirement age, you want to understand how the social security earnings threshold works and it might make sense to hold off until the next tax year. I've seen people make mistakes on that, especially they come into the office. Let's say they got a lump sum pension three months ago, and they're, they're talking with us, and they don't understand, well, how come I'm not getting my full Social Security check now? Well, that's because when you went in and chose that, you were over the threshold. So depending on the, the tax year and your age, it's going to be anywhere from 33 cents to 50 cents of every dollar over. You're going to owe back to or have a reduction of your Social Security benefit. So, you know, a couple things to look at. You know, it can be a great opportunity, especially if you're wanting to get the heck out in looking at what those options are. But you want to, the, the biggest thing you want to look at is if a pension is, if you're eligible for one, what are they doing for the pension? Are they enhancing it? Are they advancing you years of eligibility, et cetera? If they're offering you a lump sum, you really want to look at that. You know, does it make sense to take the lump sum? And then the healthcare options are, uh, or what's going to be available 
is extremely important. So um, that's all I've got for today, everyone. I hope it's been valuable. If you have a question or scenario that you would like for us to address, reach out to us. You can either send it right over info at smartmoneyquestions.com or if you'd like to speak to me personally, you can go to speakwithmatt.com and my online calendar is there. Schedule a time for us to uh, talk, Zoom, in the in the office, just a conference call, what have you. Or simply pick up the phone, 610-719-3003. All right, everyone, we will be talking to you soon. Everybody take care.